Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. The last Sunday in October is on our liturgical calendar, designated as the Feast of Christ the King. This is a comparatively recent addition to the calendar, instituted only in 1925 by Pope Pius XI for the Roman Catholic Church. The feast day was picked up, though, by Anglicans, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Moravians, Methodists, and several other Protestant denominations that keep some kind of electionary. The notion of setting aside one day to liturgically acknowledge and celebrate the kingship of Jesus was pretty universally appreciated because... Well, pretty much all Christians acknowledge the universality of Jesus' kingship. In 1925, the atmosphere across Europe and America was one of constant political flux. The Bolsheviks had overthrown the Russian Tsar. The German, Austro-Hungarian, and Ottoman empires saw the overthrow of their monarchies in the aftermath of World War I. And a creeping trend of ultra-nationalism was further fracturing the world. In addition to and tied to these political upheavals was a growing secularism and materialism. Standing above all of this unsteadiness, Pius XI perceived, was the unshakable rule and reign of Jesus Christ over not just every nation and people, but the entire cosmos. This very timely introduction of the new feast was so well integrated into the, by this point, ancient Western liturgical calendar, though, because despite being newly curated, its content was really not new at all. The notion of Christ as king comes up over and over again in the propers of the liturgies throughout the year. In his book, The Church's Year of Grace, Dr. Pius Parsh notes that, with an ever-growing desire, all Advent awaits the coming king. In the chants of the breviary, we find repeated again and again the two expressions, king and is coming. On Christmas, the church would greet not the child of Bethlehem, but the Rex Pacificus, the king of peace, gloriously reigning. On the final feast of the Christmas cycle, the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Holy Church meets her royal bridegroom with virginal love, saying, adorn your bridal chamber, O Zion, and receive Christ your king. Even during Lent and Passiontide, the church acclaims her king. The act of homage on Palm Sunday is intensely stirring. Singing psalms in festal procession, we accompany our Savior singing, Gloria laus et honor tibi sit rex Christe. Glory, praise, and honor be to thee, Christ, O King. He goes on to note how on Good Friday, we sing of Christ reigning as the King from the cross itself in the hymn, The Royal Banners Forward Go. And in the Antiphon on Psalm 95, where we sing, Proclaim among the Gentiles, the Lord reigns from upon the tree of the cross. Of course, Ascension Thursday, uh, we celebrate in no uncertain terms the crowning of Jesus in heaven. Uh, That feast day is essentially his coronation ceremony. On Corpus Christi, which comes right after, the invitatory Antiphon in morning prayer is, Christ the King who rules the nations, O come, let us worship. In our morning prayer, we regularly sing, the Lord is king and has put on glorious apparel. We could go on and on, multiplying these examples. 
But of course, all these propers are there in our liturgies because the scriptures themselves are strewn with references to the kingship of God and specifically of Christ. Our epistle and gospel for the day are two preeminent examples. The whole theme of Jesus' arraignment before Pilate was to hash out if Jesus was claiming kingship for himself. That's why he was there, which would naturally be a threat to his and Caesar's power. The kingship which belongs to Jesus, though, as he himself told Pilate, isn't of the order of kingship that Pilate or Caesar could comprehend. It's not of this world or from this world. Instead, it's a reign and authority which, as St. Paul tells us in our epistle today, is able to bring to reconcile all things to himself, whether they be in heaven or earth. This is beyond Pilate or Caesar's scope. Listen to what St. Paul tells us in the epistle. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. You hear how he keeps saying all things, pantone in Greek? What, pray tell, is excluded from all things? St. Paul is pretty emphatic here. All things will be reconciled to him. Christ is the monarch, the king of all things. Nations with their nationalism, little kings and tyrants and presidents and senators, popes and patriarchs and bishops and priests, governors and mayors and chairs and officials, principals and teachers, moms and dads, bigger kids and bullies. In a word, anyone with any kind of power or authority that they currently wield will be made to answer to the one single ultimate source of authority in all of creation, Jesus Christ. And what will that rule of Christ look like? Will all those other little authority figures be happy to submit to themselves to him? Maybe not at first. It might be painful or scary or even maddening to some of them. But guess what our communion antiphon today tells us will come of it all? Peace. The Lord remaineth a king forever. The Lord shall give his people the blessing of peace. Peace isn't merely the intermediate state or cessation of fighting because of uh, the threat of more violence, like the Roman peace which Caesar and Pilate were boasting that they upheld. Christ's peace isn't threatening violence so that everybody behaves. Christ's peace is the setting of all things right, the correction of error, the displacing of darkness with light, as we heard earlier today, the healing of hurts and pathologies, the restoring of relationships. Peace is the fullness of creation finally being what it was made for. And remember, for whom it was made, the prince and king of peace. Christ's reign will not be defeated by losing one thing which he created by and for himself. He would not be satisfied to offer anything to his father unless he offered all things. We obviously don't see that peace yet, though. War and rumors of war continue. This feast day, nearly on the eve of the commemorations of All Saints and All Souls, has 
purposely, I think, an apocalyptic aspect to it. The kingship and reign of Christ, though inaugurated, is not yet consummated. We're in a liminal in-between time. The order of this world is still playing itself out. But today, in this Mass, we are already partaking of the order of Christ's kingdom. We have come out of the world. We are called out. We are the ecclesia. You hear the eke, the out in that? We are the congregation called out of the world, out of that order to join ourselves this morning to the order of heaven. And so, fed by him today, we are then strengthened to go back out into the world as citizens of heaven and anticipate Christ's full reign by living as people already willingly under his authority. We are his ambassadors and are charged with bringing his peace into a very non-peaceful world. We know his peace will win, not through coercion, but through a compelling beauty. How do we order ourselves after his peace? How do we become his ambassadors? Well, we have his example in the gospel today. What happens when an authority figure dares to question the ultimate authority of all of creation? What does he do? He answers in truth where he can, and he is silent when his words can't be heard. He is peacefully resigning to the order, oppressing him in the moment, knowing that his order will be established apocalyptically in the end of all things. That's our model, to peacefully uh, submit, but not to uh, acquiesce to lies. We must tell the truth. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said one of the best things, one of the strongest things that anyone with no power or authority themselves can do is simply to not lie, simply to tell the truth. When all of the world, when all the power and all authority wants you to do something that goes against the rule of the Prince of Peace, you don't. You don't fight because if, if God, you know, Christ's kingdom was of this world, we would be fighting for him. What we do is we witness for him. We live according to his reign of peace. So let's order our lives according to the peace of Christ our King, celebrating his kingship today and drawing our strength from him even now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.